Hello and welcome to Film Lovers. I'm Sonny Chung. I'll be talking to people who work in the film industry and who are also avid film lovers. Today I'll be talking to filmmaker Jason Ippi. Is that right? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hi Jason, how are you? Hi, not too bad, thanks. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Where are you um, based at the moment? Uh, I'm I'm in Milton Keynes. Um, I'm a there, kind of basically been in Milton Keynes all my life, born in Northampton, okay. just down the road, and spent my whole life in MK. Um, we lived in Milton Keynes for a little bit when I was a kid, I think only about like oh, six yeah? months, yeah. And it was quite a new thing at the moment. Um, I remember the shopping center being huge and yes, yeah. a nice skating ring, yeah, and lots of roundabouts, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone says that, yeah, that's <laughs> a roundabout. Um, all right, then. Jason, so why don't you start off by basically giving us a timeline of your career? So, you know, where your interest started from, how you got into it, and basically how you got to where you are today. So, give it away. Right. <laughs> Take it away. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, quite a long story with me. I was, um, all right, go for it. We've got lots of time. I was, I was, I was born in 1984 and um, literally from a very young age, um, late 80s, early 80s, I was only five years old. I got into watching films, really started to enjoy it. Um, and that, that uh, my granddad used to collect videos. So every week, every week he'd buy a VHS. So every weekend I'd be watching a new film and video. And so my, my, my film viewing grew quite fast at a quite a young age. And um, uh, my mum was into horror book, books, which so I got into a little bit of horror stories, and then my granddad into films, and my dad had a camcorder that he was always filming family videos on. That combination <laughs> kind of made me make me film in my own little horror stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's so, uh, cool idea. Um, so that was so. When, so yeah, from when I was five, I, I used to, as well as watching films, I would like to. I started to think about, oh, you know, I was trying to find the next film I wanted to see and why they shot things the way they did. I, I had a soft spot for horror, like I said, so I was seeking out more horror and horror films, and um, that led to me when I was ten. I only did, I actually picked up my dad's camcorder at ten and made my own short film. That was the first oh, thing wow. I ever did. Do you and, still um, have it around? I do. It's just available. I still, I kept it. I've remastered it from VHS. I want to see on, it. <laughs> it's actually yeah, it's on um, Vimeo and YouTube, so that is uh, available to see. Oh, okay. Um, I'll have to watch it. That'd be funny. <laughs> so that um that was my first thing, which then that just that just created more in uh, inspiration for me to take it further. So when I finished school at 16 uh they didn't do a lot of media or film in school back when i was there it was very you know it was just not really unheard of so i for, at 16 i went to college to do media which was film studies and, and making films and it was all film related and media related which was right up my street oh so did you do the b-tech media studies i did yeah like I, did, um, yeah, I did the same i did a, <laughs> I did a gmvq then okay. it went to b-tech and then there was an as on the side and um so yeah for one year i because i wasn't great at school but it turns out I didn't know this, but um, later in life, I've been diagnosed as autistic. I, I didn't know that back when I was at school, which is why yeah. I had like uh, struggles. But um, but in the, in a good way, when I went to college at 16, I did a whole year's GMVQ in media, which I excelled at so much that they started giving me harder work. They said I was too... I was too good for that uh, I I couldn't get into BTEC on my GCSEs but I did then go and do my BTEC and stayed at Bedford I did it in Bedford because Milton Keynes wasn't um, offering the GMBQ so I used to travel to Bedford every day and 
Then I also did an AS on the side as extra curriculum. And fr from, um, and that's, that's where I did all my student films and experimented and kind of found my style and, and, and it just opened my world more to film and the world of film and world cinema. So it was good for that. And uh, that led to me, so that took me to 19. And as soon as I was 19, I started freelancing because my tutor's wife was in the creative arts and they were looking for a cameraman to film a play. And so I kind of went straight into uh, freelancing and specialised mainly in cinematography and editing, but also do my own uh, stuff. So fr from 19, I went to London and worked in a lot of the TV studios, including Disney, Studio Disney and stuff. And uh, it was interesting but I, I had um at that time in my life I loved exploitation films mm -hmm. and uh, trash films so I had a real soft spot for video nasties and things like that so I made my own I made my own like little horror films oh did you and, uh, I made a I, I won best film for a uh, short in 2004 which was just after college and that let me go to rain dance for free to do the producers low no budget training so I got I went there which was oh, really wow. interesting it really opened my eyes more and um yeah. I uh I have helped a lot, but on people's projects and, and I say freelance and, but because I've got my own distinct style, I ended up making my own films and which I self-funded also raised money for. And that I've made my own DBs a bit mental. So I've kind of lost track myself because there's been re-edits and retitles and releases, but I've made a lot, a lot, a lot of feature films that have been released all around the world on TV, DVD, Blu-ray, VOD, oh, wow. cinema release. I've had a mixed bag of stuff and, um some good some okay some bad uh, won awards uh kind of been booed <laughs> off as well banned uh kicked off youtube for six months i've got many really? stories of uh, yeah, I've, had, I've had all sorts of stuff in the in the past with my films but um but it's it's, it's um I've, I've stuck at it uh, i've been doing it professionally for over 20 years now and um it's had its hard times but i but a few years ago i uh, did a documentary all about Vipco, the label Vipco, and that got released on a um, 101 black label uh, with Spookies because I managed to get Spookies released by doing that. And um, that also got released by Vinegar Syndrome in America and it's on Amazon and Vimeo. I got and uh, that, that, that was quite good because it was a new, fresh piece of work for me. And it, I think I'm hoping people saw me in a different perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I was known for a lot of horror films and that, I tried to um, show that there was more to me than just the old trashy horror films as well as I've got a lot. <laughs> It's, Do you have them, like, somewhere in the archive or in the back of your house, lots of embarrassing student films from your BTEC media tape? I do, yeah. I've got a lot. Have you? I've got videos and tapes, and I have, I, I have tried to put them all so they're on drives and discs and safe so they're not rotting away. But, yeah, I, I pretty much kept everything. I do have a yeah. massive... You're so with, lucky uh, because um, we... Like towards the end of our second year, we got to yeah try and make a show real, so transfer yeah. everything over. And I remember once, and I had it for a good two or three years, and then it just broke in the VCR, and you know the inside went like that. Yeah. So so I'm kind of gutted because I want to sometimes go back and see it. Um, there's one or two up on Facebook, and like that somebody's posted one of the students in my class. Uh, but the quality isn't that good because he's literally just filmed the computer screen. Um, oh, okay, yeah. So, 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 yeah. But then it's quite funny to see me doing a, a cameo walking <laughs> across. And also on that one, I was, um, I think it was a drama or something. It was a short drama. And um, I was put in charge of uh, sound, right? So I was right. hearing that big boom. And I was 
16, 17, and that thing was heavy. And there's so many shots of the boob in the way. <laughs> in a way, when the actors are like, it's in the bloopers, there's like a shot of it like coming up from underneath. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like total, you know, you can tell it's a student film written all over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I didn't realise how bad some of mine were until many years later. I revisited them after doing a lot of stuff and I was like, oh yeah, they're, they're quite ropey. At the time, I thought <laughs> they were passable, but actually, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> um, so what are you working on anything at the moment? Yeah, I, um, I've, I've, I've been shooting a few films for some people. I've been hired to DOP. Um, one of them's a British gangster film, so stereotypical okay. <laughs> stuff there. Uh, the other one is also a bit of a British gangster, but more of a comedy element to it. Um, and uh, I myself, um, I've just finished a film, but which was back to my roots. It was a, an exploitation horror film, quite a nasty. And that's that's ju- I've just wrapped that up within the last few weeks, and that's just I've just uh, this week sent the distribution pack off, so it'll be coming out later this year. But it takes so long, so it'll be the end of this year. But it's all wrapped for me. They're just now working on discs yeah. and taking it. To, they're taking it's it to the the counter market. It? Yeah, it's um, it's, there's so much involved in getting it released. <laughs> you think the yeah. film's made, breathe, but then yeah, a whole other load of uh, stuff starts. But um, do they yeah. um? So after the finished product, when they see it. Do they have to give it a certain? Will they sometimes come back and say it's a bit too much to put in this censorship? For instance, they can't put it in a fifteen, or it it could go in there, but it might just need to be chopped down a bit. Does that happen to you sometimes? Because you hear about it has. I've had a few. Um, I've had I've had some bizarre stuff. So um, I've had stuff from title changes. Um, where sometimes it's been a title change because they think they can't sell it. Other times that they thought the title was so disgusting, Amazon wouldn't stock it. So I've had oh, really? to <laughs> change titles to films. Um, they've um, uh, regarding censorship. I have uh, I, I I made a film that I'm I'm quite known for. I did a film called Tortured, and that became a bit of a cult film. It was shot back in 2007, and uh, it, it didn't actually come out till 2009, 10. It actually was released, but when it came out. Um, when I was first trying to get it released, I didn't think of. Uh, I knew it was bad. It was a. It was a controversial film. It. Yeah. It had elements of I spit on your grave. It, in fact, some reviewers said it was I spit on your grave meets Dawn of the Dead. So, and it was kind of what I was going for at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I knew America should be all right with it, but the UK wouldn't. But what stumped me is there was a distributor looking at it who were like a, um, associated with Warner Bros. And I got a phone call. And they said that the, um, the dialogue was disgusting. And they started, I had to cut the film and cut some of the dialogue out. They picked on me for that, which I, I didn't even think about. I, I thought <laughs> it was a visual. Like, so so um, that's something. Um, and then um, that that said film came out again last year. It got a re, it got re-released. Uh, so it had a 2021 Blu-ray, which I remastered. And it it come out from Darkside releasing. And it come out in Canada and America. And um it had a slipcase and really cool release, which I which was great. And then there was another version, which I didn't know about until they released it. And they said, oh, that's the cut version. I didn't know they'd cut it. Uh, and because uh, they, they, they said, oh, the uncut one is on our store and special. But to have it stocked in like Walmart and, and Amazon, they had to release a cut now. So oh. I've got I've got to watch it myself because I, I looked at the running time. It's four minutes missing from the film. And I so I don't know what they've had. To, I, I've got an idea, but they, 
They just did it. <laughs> I found out on release day. It was cut. Um, but I, I don't know how well that's selling because I'm pretty sure most people have gone for the uncut version. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's usually uh, the most, um, that's usually the one that, you know, people are always after, aren't they? Like, if you hear of a director's yeah. cut, that's the one everyone really wants to see, not the um, cut I, I did an audio commentary for it, and it was obviously for the uncut version, so that you have to get the uncut version to get my commentary. know what's going on. on the cut version, so, yeah, that's um. So uh, over 10 years later and that film's still getting censored, which does surprise me a little bit. <laughs> but then at least it's still getting lots of um, praise. I mean, do you know what I mean? Controversy, anything's good as long as it's good or bad, if you know what I mean, the feedback. So you know people are still watching it and talking about it, even if it's good or if it's bad in their yeah. life. Yeah, I, I learned a lot from doing that film. Like when um when I first, when I was first editing it, I... um. It was quite early days with YouTube and things being around. There was no Facebook and that back then. So I, I made a four-minute preview to put on YouTube to get people excited that this was coming because I'd put a lot of my own money into it. And I didn't really think about it. I just assumed you could put a, a naughty film on YouTube and it would just be censored. I, that you'd have to log in or be an 18 restricted. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but there was like a, a, a quick shot of a shower scene and a quick shot in the bedroom. I didn't think, I didn't think much of it. I put it up within 15 minutes. I've got red notices and I got banned for six months off of um, YouTube for strikes. And this was for a four minute preview, <laughs> which I was <laughs> I was annoyed about at the time. But look, it's funny looking back on it. Yeah, but, so yeah, that, yeah. But at that the time, film, you must have been thinking, what the hell is going on? <laughs> what the hell is going on? And then the. Um, that had we had a screening finally at the Prince Charles um, uh, Cinema in London. We we did a uh, we did a premiere of it, and we I had I invited Empire and Total Film down, and they did they did calm down. And again, I think I was naive. I didn't really think it was like going to shock people as much as it did. And we had um, the actor brought two uh, girls along with him that were his friends. That he was telling them all about the film, but I don't think he'd warned them. Well, they, he hadn't seen it himself. Although he'd been in it, he'd not seen the finished yeah, edit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they got up halfway through the film and left him so he was sat in the cinema on his own <laughs> and they sort of we had walkouts and uh, yeah it was it, it that film's uh, forever been uh, I'm, I'm, I'm remembered for that because it caused such a stir for all these oh, really? did you get any reviews <laughs> it, yeah i've had mixed reviews so some <laughs> people, uh, over years it, it's become better received it was uh, yeah yeah I, I i i have made some mistakes with it and um what I did do is a few years later, I did recut it. I actually shot some additional scenes and I re-edited it to, and it was released as Psychopaths. Um, and that was only because I took on for a few years. I realised that I, I was doing something which I, I, I stood by. It was, I, I, but I crossed genres. It was a bit of a mixed genre film. And I think it, that was the bit of the problem when I released it, people didn't know how to take it. So I actually took a, bit of the film out reshot some scenes and I made it a little bit more of a, a, a gritty thriller like an old 70s exploitation film rather okay. than a and, and so it was more of a it was more of a one genre film than mixing and then that got released and I think that I do think that's the better version and it did seem to get a better response and people loved it because some of the new scenes were outrageous and it got mm. even more silly I, 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 again, I made a very silly mistake in my life. I made it very grindhouse and trashy, so I graded it really like it was an old lost film. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. worked at the time, but I wished I hadn't. So I, I am actually at the moment, I'm editing the final, it's like my apocalypse now or my Blade Runner. I'm doing the final cut of that film. And after this year, I won't ever touch it again, but I have 
started from scratch with all the rushes from the pickup shoots the image and I've, I've put it all together again and I'm, I'm doing what I should have done in the first place and uh, <laughs> And hopefully, I don't really want to cut it, but hopefully I'll do a sensible version and it'll get a better release rather than, <laughs> rather than me keep getting told off. Yeah, yeah. But then also your perception of the way you see it is going to be different as uh, throughout the years. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't always see things the same way as I did when I was younger. Like, if you look at a painting, for instance, does that make sense? Or when you watch yeah. a film, I couldn't stand that when it was, you know, when it was released. And actually, you kind of warm up to it. But I think that's a lot to do with the fact that you yourself have grown up and you know your 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 mind is basically a bit more open that's exactly what I'm about. I think I, I'm mature and I've got better eyes going into it so those the stuff I shot all over the place is better for me to start a clean canvas with all this footage because I think I can make it a a better film with a with a more sensible grade rather than making it trash in more sensible decisions where how the story was told um but it did well I was I was pleased of it back in the day and it did do what I set out to do which was to make a modern video nasty and um, and, it, and it did homage a lot of films at the time which I still do I've always had a soft spot but I, I, I really did love like the, the video nasty era and that was a big soft spot of mine and this film did kind of tick a lot of those boxes which it was before there was a whole influx of them obviously the last yeah, yeah. few years so many indie films and stuff out there it's like the market is in flux it's really, really? hard to stand out now um in, since, since I did that I've seen some crazy films since then and I even think how's my you know at the time I thought I was pushing boundaries but then, since then film, you know that it's been it's a bit more lenient there's stuff yeah, out yeah. there in these days but yeah. but then you get some uh, you get some horror films actually where you think um like for instance they they're quite fearless the filmmakers don't they they don't have any boundaries that yeah yeah so, and you do get films like um, I mean, I haven't seen them because I'm too much of a whip, but I've heard of them and I've seen things on, on YouTube and, you know, the reviews and stuff. Like things like The Hills Have Eyes and things like The Worst Craven stuff did. You know, yeah. it, it, you think, you know, there's only so far they can, you know, but they, they go beyond, he goes beyond that point. And, it, and actually you think, oh, I don't know what, what's going to come up now because he's not safe at all, do you know? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, not yeah. Whereas, yeah, whereas I, you might get some that sort of play it quite safe, but they do this sort of, you know, the normal way of, you know, building up the tension and slowly, slowly. But you kind of think, yeah, actually they're going to kind of spare your, um, not spare your feelings, but you know what I mean? You, you think they're going to have a, a sort of like a, a cross boundary, <laughs> like we can't go beyond that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like... Um... I do like the original Hills Have Eyes. Um, I uh, I'd heard a lot about that film growing up, and it was actually quite hard to come across at first when I was young. Um, it was, but I managed to get. Um, I used a service called Film Vault, and they would find old videos and clean them up like brand new. And I managed to get the Hills Have Eyes back when I was at college, the original one. At the time, it was just the original that was out. And I I, I love a Nightmare on Elm Street, so I do like Wes Craven, but Select Works, I find mm. him a bit chalk and cheese. It's, it, um, I talk about my 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 partner's a cine farm we always talk about a lot of film and I always come to I do like Wes Craven I love Freddy Krueger and what he created but I think some of his other works a bit patchy like the last house on the left is a very strange film it's um mm. a really dark subject and then got loads of comedy elements like yeah. throughout yeah. really out of place they feel really out of place and Hills Have Eyes was to me a bit more of a traditional horror but again it, it there was something about it but 
the point I was getting at is the remake I thought was brutal. I, saw, I went to the cinema and saw the remake of Hills Have Eyes and I thought the soundtrack, the you said they pushed it even further. Uh, I thought it was actually a lot more grim and uh, boundary pushing than the original and I thought the remake was really like tense. And, oh, really? And, and like, you know, it left a massive... I, I saw it twice at the cinema because I loved it so much. I was... um, <laughs> So, and I don't... And it's probably a controversial thing to say that the... Re- but I do think the remake is better than the original of uh, The Hills yeah. of Eyes you know, I thought yeah. they improved it a lot, and so it was a and yeah, and, and they to me the, the original was a, a once kind of banned film in the UK, but the, the, the remake kind of you know stamps all over that. It's yeah. a lot worse <laughs> in, a lot of, in, in every way possible. And like I said, they, every, every bad bit of the original they pushed even further in the remake. Yeah, so, times have changed a lot. <laughs> well, I think people are, are a lot more tolerant now i don't know does that make sense whereas i guess i mean we are very pc now so that's all a bit of a disadvantage but then also there's not so much taboo in society and general things i think everyone's like i said is generally more open-minded to new experiences and things like that does that make sense where whereas yeah. in a certain decade maybe in the 80s things were expected this way and thing and i was talking to someone and saying like for instance the censorship then if you watch a film from that period and it was given something like I mean for instance Jaws I, I was talking to my friend about this I think that was P, PG-13 or something PG it might have been PG or PG-30 but that would not be a PG-13 now would it <laughs> it's, I mean it's still uh, quite scary I, I think when I when I was a kid Jaws used to be a 15 on video in the shops and um now, okay. now on Blu-ray so it is a PG now it's um oh really Netflix, it's like a family film but when I was a kid that was a, a straight out 15 rated movie yeah uh, yeah yeah was it I mean America have always been a bit more lenient you said they do do PG-13 and we get a 15 they've always been but um but in the yeah. UK there, there's a few films that have changed uh I've noticed a few uh, Predator shocked me. Predator used to be a, a hardcore 18 rated film, and now that's a 15. And when oh, I grew really? up, I sneakily watch it. But that that film's brutal. And so that the um and again Terminator, the original Terminator was an 18. And that's dropped to a 15 as well. They've dropped a lot of old films now. You know what's um, funny is that like um my friend Tom and me we've spoken about it, and we said like the second Terminator is more of an action film, isn't it? Whereas the first one is more of it, like a slasher film, really. He's relentless. It's got a lot of elements to it. It is a yeah. B-movie horror film, yeah. So, so, so you can understand why that would be an 18. And, and it's, it's like you said, it's not brutal, like to the point of the other stuff that's out there. But at the time, I think it was like 1979 it was released. That must have been quite <laughs> shocking <laughs> to watch, I'd imagine. Especially in the cinema. <laughs> When he shoots up the police station, it's quite a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember it got pulled off the TV once because of the news. There'd been a shooting and they uh, the Terminator was supposed to be on later that week and they, they pulled it off for showing because of... Oh, really? <laughs> a bad taste because of him going yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what were your influences and your film influence? So obviously you said you were really into the horror and slasher films. Um, did you have any... Uh, favorite filmmakers that you were like influenced by or you looked up to during that time? I, do, I mean, I, I, I do. Um, I love David Cronenberg. I've always loved uh, David Cronenberg. Oh, I find him so disturbing. Do you know what? Like, <laughs> I will. I 
I've seen bits of it and um of like his like you know stuff and in those like film uh you know those countdowns of the scariest and what yeah. what's the one what's the one where one guy's trying to he's got a pair of scissors oh um uh, dead the dead zone yeah yeah and I just it just makes even the thought of it like you know the, 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 the bathtub where you know yeah like yeah that's I can't. I don't. I can't remember what he does, but he's very. Um, he's very good at disturbing people, <laughs> giving them nightmares. I was young when I saw that, and even I was quite. That was a creative way of a suicide. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's based on a Stephen King book, and I know Stephen King's quite dark, so basing work on a Stephen King book and him making it. But yeah, that was um, inventive. I'll give him that. What I don't. Does he I've do never seen that. Before. Without trying to make yeah. us feel sick. He 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 lies in the bathtub and places the scissors at a height so that he opens his mouth and puts his hands behind his head and like crashes down onto the scissors to kill himself, which is just a a crazy thing to <laughs> whoever thought of that method. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Escape. <laughs> well, yeah, I must admit <laughs> that, that that stayed with me. That, that whole film—that's the one thing I do remember about that film. Is <laughs> so David Cronenberg was a big influence on you, obviously. Yeah, because he did a, he did a lot of the um, body horror stuff, and um, I I loved the the fly the remake he did in '86 of the fly. I thought with Jeff Goldblum, I thought that was a really clever film. Yeah, um, the the effects, the, the the story. I mean, that's another example where it's an original classic horror, but the the remake was just amazing. It was a whole different vision to that that story. Yeah. Uh, so and and I do think he's a his films are good as well. They're not just kind of like gross out fun. They're, they're, they're normally very strong, meaningful pieces of work as well. Um, yeah. It, they're, cha- they're challenging. I, I, you can, you can talk a lot about Cronenberg's films. There's a lot of thought put into all of his stuff from it, the sets to, you know, the, the soundtracks to the way they're shot. And, and a lot of his stories are always like picking at society and, and either technology or, you know, what's wrong with the world. So I, I, I've always found that quite interesting. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But, you know, that's what, um, I mean, some good horror films out there, they're very clever at picking up on, like like you said, you know, things in society or politics. You, like, remember watching, you know, that, like, Bravo 100 Scariest Moments, and they, they had a bit of the Candyman, and at the time, um, at the time, they were saying that actually that was very rare to see a black, because he's a black actor, isn't he? Yes, the, the yeah, Tony Toddy. And and at the time it would have been very, very rare to see that. Um, but it was making somewhat of a political statement because it, it came out just no, literally, it's kind of like what you said about yours. Like they finished it and then they put it in the back of the car and drove all the way to the other side of the country to see if anyone would buy it. Um and on the radio, um uh you know, they um, Martin Luther King had just been shot, so it kind of came out. It was like it was more of a political statement, I think. It was either that film or it was something else, but I can't remember exactly. Um, but yeah, they are very clever at doing that and hiding the meaning behind things or images. Does that make sense? But actually, it's saying a lot more than you really realize. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Do you have any favorite remakes of horror films? Yeah, I said um, I, I I like the Blob, the nineteen eighty eight version of the Blob. That was a brilliant remake. I thought that was a that was a yeah a big, a big improvement. The, the original is a classic, but that that remake was uh, just mental. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a, 
it it was crazy that the the characters in that are all really fun, larger than life, and um, it's got some incredibly inventive effects and kills in that film as well. And uh, it's uh, I find that pure entertainment that film. It, it's 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 horror but also fun. And yeah, it's got a, a trash element without being too cheesy. So it's a good blend that film. But then, because um, I remember saying this to my friend Tom, there's that fine line between horror and comedy, isn't there? Like it's very subtle. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, for instance, I'm, um, I remember seeing somewhere that you know, in uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for instance, there's like a scene where they're feeding the grandfather a finger or something like that, yeah. and it, and and you think that's really gross, but it's funny as well. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but but that's yeah. that's kind of like the, the the disturbing way that humans actually think do you know what I mean <laughs> but they would never say it does that make sense it's kind of like a yeah, yeah. subconscious type type thing so so there is that kind of fine like and then you get like you know black comedy which is is that a bit of horror but then it crosses over more onto the sort of very it is I mean I, I comedy and horror do go hand in hand um, mm. I, I think comedy is the hardest genre to to, to do work on um because um, I've spoke to a lot of filmmakers about this and I have been involved in some of them and I, I find it hard. I know it is known as a hard thing. Sometimes what you find funny, other people don't. And mm. getting at the end of comedy is hard. Ho- I think, I said, horror and comedy can go hand in hand. Um, I do like straight horror, but as I say, comedy in horror films can sometimes tip it to a real cheesy level and it's a very Hollywood thing to do. And yeah. Sometimes I think it can spoil a, ho- a good horror film by being, they can put some very out of place lines or things in there and I am a bit like, that. that's a bit silly. Uh, or if it's a pure comedy horror, then it, it's like, like scary movie, I think it's funnier because it don't take itself serious and you know you're going into just yeah. a silly film. And it's a parody of horror yeah. films, isn't it? And the genre. But but when a horror film is quite supposedly serious one minute and then doing something silly the next, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I laugh at films when they're ridiculous in a good way. Like as in like you know Jason Voorhees never dying and all kinds of, like that can be quite fun and tongue in yeah. cheek. But we have, when there's a really silly comical character in a, in a serious film, sometimes they can be a, a bit annoying to me. And I, and it's almost like they're trying to make things funny and appeal to an audience to get people in. But it's a bit you're sacrificing a bit of the film there for that. Yeah. That laugh gag just to get and yeah it's, it's interesting in a cinema sometimes when you hear if people get the gags or not yeah um, what's the name of the actor he's lovely warwick davis wait is he did he play the leprechaun is that very much a kind of yeah comment yeah it's it's a bit naff isn't it and that's like a very i mean there's a very young jennifer aniston in that film she was like 21 and she doesn't want anything to do with it now that she's famous. <laughs> She's like, she doesn't want anything to do. It'll be associated with it. She obviously did it just for the work and the money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's very much a kind of comedy element, isn't it, to it? Uh, I, I, I normally expect a few one-liners or, or cheesy yeah, yeah. stuff. I, I, um, I suppose some of the films, some of the films I've really enjoyed sometimes maybe have been that bad. They're good. So they're kind of funny, but for the wrong reasons. But to me, that <laughs> yeah, pure entertainment... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I've got a soft spot for the Italian cannibal and zombie movies from the late 70s and early 80s and all that sort of stuff as well. I grew up a lot on those. So um, I don't think they're funny, but they're, a lot of people laugh at them because of, you know, the bad dubbing, the bad production values, oh, really? the outrageous. And so they, they get a laugh out of it, but for different reasons, I think. So they, they're it's class so as horror. The top, but I, mean, isn't it? I mean, I, um, yeah. I, I've seen bits of them and, and they're really, really, like really brutal and 
disturbing, but it's so over the top, Latvish, like that, you know, the, the blood just keeps pouring out, <laughs> just things yeah. like that. And um, is it is it Demons, the film where these people go to watch a zombie film and then all these zombies start breaking out into the cinema yeah. and actually start attacking people in a cinema? And they're, and they're like, they think, oh, it's part of the show. It's part of the film or something, and and the other get a, out, get yeah. out. <laughs> I mean that that that's another film where I I cry with laughter because I love the film and there's a there's a guy in there he plays he plays the pimp the uh, he's wearing the white suit and the, it's it's the black guy who actually is a stereotypical pimp but um and he he's in the, the second one as a different character but that he steals the show in that film he's. He's so over the top, it's so funny, but so good at the same time. His performance where he's he's telling everyone to back off because they're doing it wrong and he's kicking the head out of the cinema seats to like break it and show off and then gets attacked. But he's he's acting, steals it. I cry with laughter every time, but he makes the to me he also makes it so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was to me is a good blend of like, you know, it's to me it's a bit of a comical element, but it, it's you know, it fits. He 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 owns that character. I, I still buy however over the top it is, I still completely <laughs> Fully believe in the character. <laughs> it's, um, and he's as good in the sequel. He's the gym instructor in the sequel. Oh, is he? The he, plays him. Him. So, yeah, he plays basically the same character. Oh, just okay. in a different scenario. <laughs> well, they obviously enjoyed watching him to bring him back for the second one and play a different character. <laughs> I think there's a lot of unintentional comedy in some of those films. But yeah. that to me is also what makes them the charm. It is a bit of a charm. And, I think some filmmakers have tried to recreate that. I've, I've seen modern films homage them, but there's just something about that era. You just can't. It's like a yeah. golden time that's gone now. You can never kind of capture what they did back then. And also over time, you realise actually because they didn't have the technology or the like, you know, the effects or whatever, that sometimes it does look really, really naff. And that's what can actually make it quite funny looking, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a question to ask you. <laughs> so, uh, so you're working on something right now. Do you have a favourite documentary? Because you said that you worked on a documentary. Do you have any favourite Yeah, I've, um, I've ended up doing a few documentaries over the years, um, which I find them hard to do. I think um, I, I like doing them, but they're a lot harder because you have to find people who can talk about the subject. And yeah, get at- there's a lot of research you need to do, isn't there? And it's just, yeah, and, and it's a pain getting all the clearances for stuff and um it's to me there's a lot more challenges getting that put together especially as a feature than a, a film itself mm. but i do i do enjoy documentary i mean i i actually like a lot of serial killer documentary stuff i find them interesting mm. but, um, i've watched a few good ones about the video nasty eras myself or about the particular the bbfc going nuts in the 80s and <laughs> changing the face of censorship there's a quite a few good documentaries on them the Exorcist um, was one of them, wasn't it? That was a big thing when it came out. It was like, you know, yeah, that, got, uh, <laughs> that was bad for a long time. Was that bad? It was, wasn't it? It was. It caused yeah. such a, and then, and I think that was in the seventies or something. But then actually, yeah. now if you watch it, I mean, it is still scary. But like you see the effects, and it kind of is quite kind of like you can tell it's from. A different era, if that makes sense. It's like the religious aspect. They, they, um, they didn't like the disturbing factor of the film. And the, the, yeah. It's a dark, depressing film, but very well done. It yeah, is, yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of my favourite uh, horror films, actually. Exorcist. I do. I've watched that many times. How old were you when you first watched it? Uh, I was in my, I was mid-teens when I finally got to see oh, it. Oh, okay. Again, That's when I, I was growing up, it was quite hard. To, it was banned when I was growing up. Yeah, but, yeah. 
Um, it finally got re-released um, from video and cinema again, and along with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they both come out similar time re-released. Yeah. Um, when they changed over, when they, the the hands changed at the BBFC, they they kind of come back out. Which, so yeah, I had to. It was it was much easier to get. So one Christmas, I got a video of that actually when when it first came back out, and which is now upgraded to DVD and now Blu-ray, and no doubt it'll be 4K soon. <laughs> so keep buying the same film over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a collector as well, and I love I love getting cool editions. But the amount of times I've got a certain film is ridiculous. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I think um, the original Evil Dead is a film that I've got probably most times throughout the formats and the amount of releases I've ended up buying of that film. I've got it about eleven times <laughs> <laughs> from from the original video to the DVD. Yeah, yeah. The Blu-ray to now 4K and all all the box sets in between and elaborate editions they do. Did it's... you ever see the film um, Creep Show? Yes, yeah. I I haven't seen it, but I saw a clip with with this guy, this body on the floor, and then all these cockroaches start coming out of him. Yeah. And then and then yeah, the whole that's... and that, and um the thing on the TV they were saying that actually because they had to get some poor person to actually collect all these cockroaches to fill up the entire room, and the crew were kind of sitting there like cringing. And, <laughs> With all these cockroaches. I mean, I am. I actually am an exotic pet keeper, so I actually have a lot of Madagascan hissing roaches in my house. Oh no! <laughs> I, 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 I'm not face that. I have a lot of bizarre animals that I keep as pets, and I've even used in films. And uh, and they have a uh, film uh, enclosures, like they've got f- uh, figures and themes of horror films in their enclosure. So it, I've got half a zoo in my house and half a film museum in the other. So. It's oh, like, really? <laughs> a nice blend of stuff it crosses over <laughs> yeah please don't show me those cockroaches <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be like oh no it's just a horrible feeling um yeah in china uh, when i was there there's there's lots of them and really big ones as well and they can fly yeah. uh, i came across a couple that were flying which was even worse <laughs> So I just, yeah, I just, I hate cockroaches completely. And actually the funny story was when I came back, um, one or two of the little ones got into my suitcase. So when I, and they spent, I mean, I was on the plane for about 13 hours and I got back and my room was full of baby cockroaches and I had to bring the exterminator, the exterminator in because of this breed so fast. These little horrible <laughs> things running around. It was just awful. So, yeah, that's kind of put me off, you know, even more. Um, <laughs> I just don't like them at all. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, do you happen to get together with any other filmmakers in your area? Do you have a lot? I, I do. When, when, when I grew up in Milton Keynes, there wasn't hardly anyone doing it. And it was a small little town at the time and so um, I, I was one of the first people doing stuff and I made quite a lot of films here and then over the years a few people have moved in that are filmmakers and there is a film network here and I, I, I know a lot of them and um, good or bad I'm known sometimes <laughs> like my films have not been overly well received um, I, I uh, there was a writer and an actor uh, locally at the time I worked with who it was a social drama. It was originally called Jake. Uh, the guy that wrote it was Wade Radford and he acted in it. Uh, we had to change the title for distribution and it got 
change to sex lies and depravity, which is a bit of a, a play on sex lies and videotape. I yeah. think. <laughs> but um, it, it it was different for me, which is why I, he brought me in to direct it and I shot and edited it. And um, it was very different at the time. This was in 2012. It was um, it was about a guy who had trouble at home. So it dealt with domestic abuse and sexuality because he was coming out as gay and then he had a drug abuse. So it was all, it was all this social commentary. And um, I, I, I was really excited because it was very different. Uh, I love, I mean, I love all cinema. And I, I kind of matured into prestige cinema I got into and the, um, I thought, this is great. This is actually a different direction. And, um, it, and it was a very gritty film, uh, like a typical British film. And uh, it, when it, when he, got it to get screened in Milton Keynes. They thought it showed Milton Keynes in a really bad light and didn't really want to be interested in it. But it, it did get released. It came out on DVD and um, is uh, it's done better in America than it has done in the UK, which is ironic because it's a, an English <laughs> drama. But, <laughs> and very and very English because of the slang and, and, yeah, and yeah. just the way... Yeah, I thought, it, you know, it's, it's it's like train spotting almost. It's a, a very British film, but yet the Americans seem to release it and lap it up a lot more than... The That's hunter. so funny, isn't it? That happens though sometimes, though, doesn't it? Like you get yeah. bands that, like UK bands, that have done, you know, not so well here, and and they've really, you know, um, exploded in the US. And like, who was that band? I mean, we didn't hear much of them. Bush was one of them, wasn't they? They're English, so that's kind of like an example. Even though it's music, but yeah, and also they're used to a different way of. I guess seeing things or doing things, you know, it's a bit like comedy as well. Like, you know, for instance, I think the Americans wouldn't quite understand English comedians because does that make sense? Like, I'm, like I don't know how to explain it. We get the American ones and they can be like, they're funny, but they're very kind of like shouty. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've had a I, years ago. I had a weird experience where I had an American distributor that had released some stuff, and um, I'd made a new film. It was called The Turning at the time, and then um, I sent it to the to a distributor who was in America. And obviously, I was hoping uh, at the time for me it was all about physical, but digital was starting to come in, and they, they were that was a bonus to me. I wanted the DVD release. Really, that was the more I felt like you've achieved something having something in your hand, and. Um, First of all, they got me to change the title, so it became Zombie Lover, which I wasn't a massive fan of, but that, that's what the film's known as now. But the idea of the turning, it was someone slowly turning into a zombie, and I thought it was a bit more of an artistic play, but they they, changed, they dumbed it down to Zombie Lover. And then after a lot of talk and me doing everything almost, getting ready for release, they decided that they wanted to only release it digitally because I was English and to them that's world cinema they felt like there would be a, a culture barrier they, they said it was hard to sell but this is america i'm like well i thought we weren't talking a foreign language so i know i, I, know. So I um i, I cancelled that and took the film back and found another american distributor to put it out on dvd and eventually come out but yeah that, that really shocked me about they you know they they were saying well this is world cinema to us it's a strange film we're not really sure about it <laughs> so like, you do hear about things like that don't you um I think there's sometimes you can get a lot of, um, you know, conflict between the filmmaker and the distributors because, I mean, obviously the distributor's job is to make sure they can sell the film. I mean, if you think about it, it's a product, isn't it? That's why you go to those festivals to, to network and try sell your film. So it's a bit like selling a new product in the shop, if you know what I mean. You need someone to do it for you. And in yeah. order for that to work, sometimes they'll need to 
replaced an actor. Like the 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 a very good example is um, the beach, wasn't it? Because Danny Boyer was was wanting to use um, Ewan McGregor, but because it was an American company financing it, they said they wanted Leonardo DiCaprio, like a more, you know, yeah. High so which kind of in that sense makes sense because you're going to go for the more well-known brand, aren't you? You're going to go for the one that everyone recognizes and if that makes sense. I don't know that, well, I mean, even though Ewan McGregor was a well-known actor, he he probably in their eyes wasn't as lucrative at the time, if that makes sense. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah. Distributors do look at things a bit differently sometimes. I do try to myself now, but like with my film, I said earlier, torture, they're trying to look at a hook and how they can sell the film. But I was, I, had, I you know, at the time making it, I had a completely different, I was just making a film there's no right or wrong way for this, but I, sometimes I'm like, I like to make a film that I would like to watch, but then I am an audience member that enjoys film anyway. So if I like it, I'm like, there must be other people out there that want to see it. But yeah, yeah. I'm into niche films by the, by all accounts, so I have to, um, I do sometimes have to think bigger because I probably made that a little bit too niche with content. But if you edit it up, which I'm doing now, then I, I could probably find a wider audience with it anyway. Um, Maybe so, you should make um a film about torturing the distribution people. <laughs> the like, so it could be like a bit of a, a parody of like a, a sort of a filmmaker like you, you know, maybe starting out at, at the beginning of his career and, you know, getting really fed up with these people who are doing what <laughs> It's, um, it's a taboo area for indie film these days distribution because it is a it's a big change in market at the moment especially with vod and digital it's um physical media seems very on the decline actually and um mm. for the first time in the last few years i can really feel the days that are slightly getting numbered on how people receive films i think it's definitely crossing over onto a lot of digital platforms and mm. even cinema lately seems to be fighting a bit against the digital giants i do yeah a, a generation coming and, and i go to cinema a lot and it's always quiet now i must admit uh, physical media disappearing from shops cinema like seats becoming empty it all seems yeah. to be going home cinema in your home putting amazon prime on on netflix yeah, yeah. You know? but then um i was talking to someone about this and he said well actually things like netflix and amazon etc they're kind of like a hungry monster you know they have to come up with stuff all the time so there's going to be more work generated and put on there because there's a big audience there um but at the same time I think it's really sad because for instance you're you're my generation you're you're the same age as my sister apparently yeah so um um my middle sister um I was going to say, because so during our time, when we used to go to the cinema, it was a big deal, wasn't it? Like the new film of is out and um, and you'd go watch it and it would be there for a good few months. Whereas now everything is churned out. Yeah, it is quite sad a little bit. I'm a bit, oh, you know, I miss yeah. the old times a bit, really. And I still kind of, you know, I still kind of envy people that went to see like Jaws in a cinema and things like that because... That uh, you know, on a big screen, that would have been amazing. Um, but yeah, so it's it's kind of a set, uh, you know, a shame because it used to be such an exciting thing to look forward to. Like you know, during the school holidays, we'd always go and watch a film. 
And that was always kind of like our day was kind of planned around that. Like, you know, we go do some shopping, get some popcorn and stuff. And then, (laughs) but, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of, but I think it's just the way things have um, evolved throughout the years. And, you know, Netflix and all those online platforms, they've come in. And like you said, they've kind of taken over really, haven't they? Yeah. And I I think, I I think the pandemic didn't help because it kind of forced people watch it at home and so I think people again have adapted and got used to this instant on demand sit on your sofa and you know buy or stream now it's it's become it has become kind of a norm to people now and yeah um and actually it's a good point to bring up I've noticed some some films I've noticed they get released on an uh is it a digital platform is that what you call it yeah at the same time as the cinema yes almost putting the nail in the coffin themselves because they were worried about sales. They, they they've almost sealed the deal themselves that cinemas become niche, and you know, yeah. Because so yeah, the same day I go to the cinema, you could sit at home and order it. And no, watch that's it. that's what I find. Really, but then I guess from their perspective, less people, especially during the pandemic, during the lockdowns, are going to go to cinema because it was closed. So they'll make yeah. more money from people. But it just it kind of it doesn't really make sense. Do you know what I mean? So um, and didn't Scarlett Johansson? She sued. Marvel, didn't she? Yeah, because like Black that. Widow came out on Disney Plus uh, at why it was at the cinema, which was not was supposedly not supposed to be in the contract, but they, oh, they, the they think, time. Yeah, and they okay. think it affect ticket sales. But I was surprised myself because we've got Disney Plus, and yeah, it's just here that no additional cost because we've got the subscription rather than yeah, going yeah. to the cinema. It's it's a shame because I think that the, the cinema does offer a, a good experience. It's still really good to see the yeah, like you, you know, said. I've got a home cinema system I've kind of set up myself, but it's still not as good as yeah. going to cinema and, and seeing something like that on the biggest of screen and the good sound, surround sound. Well, it's kind of fun, isn't it? Like, you know, you go get your ticket and then the usher shows you yeah. your ticket and stuff. Actually, I worked at a... <laughs> I could tell you some stories about that. I worked at the Odeon. <laughs> uh, <oops. laughs> I worked at the... <laughs> years ago. Um... And I was there for a good few months. Like, nobody did any work. Like, it was all students and everyone just used to mess around. And it was just, yeah. But but actually, you could see, like, you know, that like the new Twilight film. I mean, this is how long ago the new Twilight film came out. And all these teenage girls come running to see Robert Patterson. Um, So, so yeah, it was was funny. Like, and actually, it's quite interesting because you see how the audience changes with each film does that make sense there's a different yeah, yeah. people so um yeah you get like you know a, a, I was gonna say a silly film like twilight series <laughs> where, <laughs> where, where, where it's mostly all teenage you know girls and stuff and you get one or two boyfriends that been dragged along and they kind of <laughs> I just came along because she dragged me kind of thing um but yeah it is it is interesting to see you know, actually, how the film industry works to that point, or like, uh, I mean, it'd be interesting for me to talk to someone who, for instance, who used to work in the video shop or like Blockbusters, because obviously yeah. things, you know. Do you remember going to Blockbusters? Did you ever go to Blockbusters? I do. I, I, I used to use Blockbuster. Um, it is, it is nostalgia. But I mean, I, I've always been someone who liked to also buy, so I buy videos a lot um, and go yeah. to the video. Stores, but but used to use Blockbuster as well to, to buy stuff and um and I was only saying the other day but even that's become the only place I can actually go out and buy a, a, a Blu-ray if I want 
a film's probably HMV. That's the only shop left. Otherwise, it's online. I have to physically go to Zavio Amazon. So there's hardly any, even the high street is now become alienated. There's only one shop in this whole place of Milton Keynes that will maybe sell me it 50-50 on their stock. Otherwise, yeah. it's forced me to go. It's forced me to log online yet again and get and use the internet. Yeah. To get, which, um, years ago, I would go up there and you'd have HMV and Virgin Megastores and Silver Screen and even WH Smith and Woolworths had a big collection of films. There was loads of places to go. Um, I could spend hours browsing all these video stores, yeah. but now yeah, there's nothing. But that's why they did so... Well, that's basically why Blockbusters came sort of went bust, didn't they, when all this digital stuff came out? And there's, like, yeah. Jessup's as well. They, do you remember Jessup's? The, the, yes. The, the, I used to use that for camera well, you, equipment. Yeah, 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 because he did it. You'll beat it as well. So I'd have to go there to get my film. Um, yeah. And black and white film is more expensive than colour, isn't it? It was at the time. I yeah, think. it did go that way in the end, yeah. Yeah, and um, I remember having to go in there and I was like, <laughs> what? It was such a boring play. But um, it's just the people that worked there. It wasn't the shop itself. It was just <laughs> some very strange sort of like, you know, people were just like, oh. and there was one woman who used to always moan all the time, one of the saleswomen. Um, but yeah, they all kind of basically went bust. It's a bit like Thomas Cook and everything like that, because now everyone can just go online and click, 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 and it's there. So yeah, it's it's also yeah, it's it is funny. It's oh. changed a lot since I've been making films as well. Because when I used to make a film, I used to have to physically make copies and send those screeners out for people to watch and even distributors and physically post it and all but now obviously I can just do a, an online digital link that's locked and it's all very instant and very quick if it's a yes or no yeah. or reject or, or change this where yeah and I used to be constantly down the post office posting backs off and hard drives and stuff so yeah the, the chain it's got it's, it's good and bad it's more convenient but it's um because technology's changed as well there's a lot of people, a lot more people can make films because it's accessible. Um, I mean, I myself have shot a five of them. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, I shot a, uh, it's, it's, yeah, actually, I, I actually, I myself shot a film on an iPhone and um, it's just, it sounds mad, but I have a lot of good equipment, but I, I shot this film because of speed and what we were doing with experimenting. And I used Filmic Pro, which is the app they use for Tangerine and Threshold and some films that were shot on phones. And, I wouldn't have believed it myself, but I got a gimbal. I, I I put the phone all on the right settings, and it's really good. It looked really good, and I, and, I, and the distributor didn't even ask what I shot it on. I sent the film off. They was all excited talking to me. They've not once questioned if I shot on a phone. They yeah, wouldn't. Yeah. They, I don't no, they my, know. I, I know but, someone who did exactly the same, and he said, actually, he said, did, would you know that this was shot on my iPhone? I was like, no, because the quality was amazing. Yeah. So, so like you said, it's no anyone can go out and get a phone and you know, point it or whatever um it's it's so accessible now in a way it's become i think like you said because you can just like put it online and that's it um yeah instant it, release from your phone you can shoot it. it on an app and then upload yeah. it <laughs> and it's done. done it feels kind of greedy does that make sense it's kind of like, yeah. like, like you're not fast enough. Hurry up! Hurry up! Can I, can, you know, yeah, there is that attitude of a new generation. I want to see. It, I want to see it now. I want to see a quick bit done. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, that, yeah. The, the attitudes have made it very different. I think how you deliver and watch films for for a new generation for sure. Yeah. They, 
they don't seem to have patience of waiting for a, a disc to come through the post. No. Where they can just click a button and order it, stream it straight to the house. No. And do you remember, like, this is going to make me sound old, but do you remember, like, in the 80s and before, like, everything would stay, in, or sometimes in the 90s as well, would be in a cinema for quite a long time. I think yeah. at, what, at some points there were, like, one year. Do you know what I mean? And then later, or maybe six months. It so, would take a long time for him to come out from the cinema to home Yeah, so can you imagine after- this generation? <laughs> I, I I was uh, I was shocked about some of that stuff actually recently um because I I've got um I've got a cinema card and go as much as I can and um I wanted to see the last duel that Ridley Scott done and I was thinking oh that looks quite good it was quite underpublicized and when I looked it up um it played for like one week at the cinema so I didn't get a chance to see it then I'm like and then obviously there's a lot of stuff that kicked off about it bombing and not doing well but I'm like I, I would have gone to see it but it was literally at the, yeah. the week so I couldn't you know you didn't have a chance I was really gutted and, and now it's on Disney Plus for nothing a few months later and I've been able to like put it on here but I'm like it's I, w- I wish I could have seen it at the cinema yeah 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 um so do you have any um of your own films your old films where you have like a cameo appearance, like say Alfred Hitchcock did. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, actually, um, I, I'm. I do much prefer being behind the camera and and being a filmmaker. But back in the day, due to restraints of all sorts of reasons, I ended up having to to actually take part the song. <laughs> and um, and I I I I'm say begrudgingly, but I, I trusted myself. I could rely on myself. I I ended up putting myself in some films. Um, and playing some quite big parts in some of my early films and that actually led to people wanting me to be in their films and even recently I'm I've been um, pulled into being in people's films even though I, I don't I don't pose as an actor I'm much more I'm like oh I'm a filmmaker or cinematographer or an editor but anything to do with a film behind the scenes but, but yeah, yeah. yeah many of times especially in the early days yeah I, I was I was a pulled in front of camera way too many times but that, but that <laughs> happens a lot doesn't it during those BTEP me because it was the same for us like we'd all what would happen was um, they'd split us up into two groups. So, you know, we'd we'd eventually pick a story, uh, one of our scripts. Um, There'd be two that are chosen and then the the lecturer would basically put you into groups. So you were that group for this assignment for the rest of the term and this one for the rest of the term. Um, And basically you'd get given like, you know, your role. So, so, So there's a lot of bad acting going on. A lot of bad, a lot of bad acting going on. I mean, it's quite cringeworthy watching back on it now. Um, you know, just like <laughs> I can't describe. I mean, can you think of any funny experiences that you had from people who are playing the actors' parts when they when they really shouldn't be, <laughs> or they only had some moments? Yeah, I did. Um, again, actually, ironically, from. From from tortured, there was a an actor. One of the main characters played a, a really bad guy. Um, he, he, he um he was he was a kind of angry thug kind of character, and he had his leather uh, jacket, and he actually had um he had a blank prop firearm on him and knife like a blunt knife, and he had he had all these props, so he was carrying weapons, and he had this weird tash, and he he'd really 
took on the character and was like walking around and it had been long shooting days and um i don't so much he was so much in character but he'd been playing a really bad person had been working him non-stop he had all his costume and characters on and we were moving from location a to b and we stopped on the way and i, I was gonna get him and it was it was at kfc i said we'll just pick up some food while we're setting up the next stuff and um he needed the toilet so we pulled up in this like van and car and he got out and he, he came busting he goes oh where's your toilet but i think he was quite trained and come across like <laughs> dressed out and um and the guy goes oh, over there and he went to the door and for something the door was jammed so he's like he's rattling this door as so i'm trying to order and he's getting quite stressed out he goes he goes man what's going on i can't get in the toilet and it's <laughs> displayed his gun and knife and there's all these families and the whole restaurant went quiet and everyone's just sitting there with their head down I mean, he, and the, the guy was like <laughs> trying to calm him and I, and um, we realised he was like coming across quite bad and shown that he's like armed with guns and nice and that. so I quickly threw the money at the counter going yeah just grabbed it and got us out of there and we left sharp because <laughs> the, 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 the people behind the counter all kind of a little bit so yeah that was a quite and that was many years ago this day and age we probably would have been in a lot of more trouble yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember one of um, there was one guy that nobody wanted on any of the group. On any of the groups, he was lovely, but he was um, like basically there was like you know the the one that you think is going to be the big filmmaker after you know college finishes and stuff, and he was he was a bit older than us, so he was the one that he, he kind of took it more seriously. Was we were we all did, but we were all kind of a lot younger, and you know he was more into it at the time. So so he was like, you know, the big shot. But then his friend, who was lovely, was just a bit of a... <laughs> and was always late. Always late. Always late. <laughs> and he made him the actor in his film. And this is when... Um, yeah, and we won sound. And that was another film he was on. And my friend, another friend who was given the role of the producer, used to stress out so much... You can hear on the phone shouting down, leaving a message on his phone, shouting, where are you? Why are you not here? You're supposed to be here at this time. And literally, like, just ranting on. It's like, Rob's not, Ooh, he's not here yet. <laughs> but, yeah, so, uh, but those, those sort of stories are really funny now when you look back at them. But, you know, those student films are quite funny to watch because sometimes they look so, so cheesy and <laughs> and I remember one uh we had like um at the end of the second year you probably did this we had like um a, like a, a last big screen viewing of you know yeah, yeah. our shorts our, so like our advert we had to do a jeans advert that was the very first assignment we had to do and a thriller and stuff so they showed everyone's and it was like basically a long um what do you call it it was just a nice long event for everyone to see their yeah. work on the big screen did you do that yeah we had that as well yeah, yeah yeah and one of the groups there was a shot and his acting was really bad right there was a shot and he had generally quite a big nose there was a massive close-up shot and it was meant to be a scary film and me and my friend were just too busy laughing in the back we were like who decided to use that shot <laughs> a close-up on his face and it was just like his nose took up the entire frame it was just <laughs> so so yeah they, they're quite funny to look back on I mean I think that's kind of the cliche that comes with student films isn't it and it's like 
amateur sort of sage plays and things like that. <laughs> it's a bit like, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I remember doing it. Did you ever do Amdram stuff, by the way? Yes, I have touched on Did that. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Were you good at learning your lines? I'm. I, I, I've not been too bad. Um, I've I've done a, I've done a mixture of stuff. I've done ad lib stuff, which, if I'm in the right mood or the right environment, I can be quite good at. Like lines. Um, I, I I have I've been so nervous. I've nailed them, but only for kind of small scenes. I wouldn't like to learn a full. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember. Um, there was this youth drama group that I was with, and um. Someone told me that one time they did a play. I wasn't doing this one with them, but I was friends with quite a lot of them. So, and he said that he did a play once, and um, during the play, and this was the real thing with the audience there watching. Right, it was in a small theatre playhouse. The girl stopped and went and went. What's the next line? <laughs> went to. Went to the person, just sort of goes off the stage and goes, What's the next line? <laughs> yeah, I, I've, um, I've filmed a lot of uh, amateur dramatic workshops and play. I've, I've, I've done a lot of documentaries. So I've been, I, I've had a lot of experience working with them in that. But yeah, I, I try to, I try to keep behind the scenes rather than so much. I mean, I said, I've been dragged into something, but I very much try and, uh, yeah, it, it may be an odd cameo these days, but yeah, people seem to find a way. Do you funny footage of any of those um, amateurs? Yeah, I've had a lot of stuff in the past of uh, people making mistakes or things going in weird directions, and uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of um, lot, a lot of weird things over the years. Where cameras have left rolling, or yeah, we've done a lot of takes and a mixture of films and shows and documentaries. Yeah, people forget their self or they. A lot of people realise or they panic and regret and want stuff deleted or not to make yeah. cuts. You see their faces drop all of a sudden when they, they kind of get caught in a problem and to get themselves out of it, they're making the problem worse and worse and worse. You can see the fear and panic settling in, <laughs> like in their voice and in their face. <gasps> oh, dear. We, um, yeah, I, I did a promotional video for an event once when it was all about sneakers and shoes and... Um, they were doing a big presentation. We were making a short film about it and they wanted us to get interviews and there was a strange tutor there. He was a bit political and a bit kind of weird and arrogant and we, I set up to film the shot. We were rolling and, and the, the presenter and he was the producer as well started chatting to him and this guy went in a massive monologue. He just kind of lost the plot and did this big, quite controversial taboo monologue which I was obviously rolling because I thought we were filming this promo and after he finished his the, the guy turns to me, the direct, like the director and the producer, goes, "Great, did you get that?" And I went, "Yeah." And he goes, "Well, hold on a minute." <laughs> Didn't realise that we were <laughs> got really stressed out of the director, and then he was having an argument. Trying to say, "Oh no, we'll just use good bits and do it." And he was getting, and then he started like following him around, being all a bit weird after that because he thought we were gonna ruin this guy's career because he was he'd been hired <laughs> to do something with these shoes and spent half the time slagging them off on camera. So. <laughs> Oh, so, yeah, so it's, it's amazing that people forget their self and then they're recorded and panic yeah 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 well yeah. you can kind of see that though especially in those kind of um you know those documentaries where they follow like a series you know like for yeah you can kind of see like you know how someone can sort of become too comfortable in the, in forgetting that the ca- even though they can see the camera they kind of forget it don't they because they're too busy yeah. 
in there, especially if they're working, you, you, you don't notice that. I mean, you might do for the beginning and then you're too busy doing your, your thing. Do you know what I mean? So so you can see how people can kind of drop their guns. Oh, I really shouldn't have said that. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you do hear about stuff like that, don't you? A lot like on them, like on the, you know, radio shows and stuff when they're live. Yeah, after um, like I really should have said that. <laughs> radio mics and the pearl mics and audio recorders are the worst. Like I could be an editor, I've had to go through stuff and things have been left recording. Or if I'm on set listening and people forget their mics up, and you do hear some crazy stuff. Oh, that's a good. <laughs> I was going to say that's a good thing to bring up. Have you heard? So so yeah, sometimes they'd forget that they still mic'd up, wouldn't they? Because they have like a clip yeah. on thing on their t-shirt. So has there ever been a time? Uh, or times that you've like when you're not shooting and you're on a break for instance and they've they're on break and they've said something really bad or dodgy and they don't get into trouble but they've left their mic on they've completely forgotten have does that happen i I used to direct um i used to direct tv shows about uh um conspiracy theories and i was um and i worked at the studio a bit doing various things but directed a few shows at at a time and um, there was a presenter sat on the studio floor and he was all mic'd up because it was a studio and had all the monitors and galleries there's always kind of like a machine rolling and and you can hear feed through it and um it was quiet it was on down time and he was just sat there on his own he was talking to someone and he went in a bit of a tirade and started slagging a lot of people off oh. in the production company and in in the film world and um people that were working there and but oh. this was going through to the gallery and in the gallery you've got editors and sound mixers all in there and they could, some people could hear him <laughs> and he went on for a long time doing this about half hour like really getting explicit <laughs> and someone went in there and called him up on it and he got a bit <laughs> funny it's all still recorded so they can play it back to him so he got a bit <laughs> there was a bit of a there was a bit of a uh, edgy moment where yeah, yeah, yeah. apologise to some people and sort it out. <laughs> but it, it, it upset a lot of people. Um, that was one big one. Um, I've also had an actor walk off with a mic on, and when I've gone to find out what's going on, I can hear him talking to himself, uh, going like you know, saying really weird stuff and reliving the scene and lines, but just to himself walking down the street. Um, <laughs> it is really. <laughs> I feel bad losing these people, but it's like. Um, and then again, I've had like audio recorders uh, on a documentary left in the back of a car, left rolling. So when I was editing that particular project, it was in it, it was in the car of some of the crew, and I could hear this crew talking about people in the film world again that I knew, and they were, you know, I tried to fast forward, thinking I don't know if I want to hear this, but there, there was some juicy gossip going on, and. Um, I did tell the director, he came in when I was editing, he goes, it was just a black screen. I said, oh, someone left the audio, like, recording <laughs> this car journey. And he looked a bit white because <laughs> he was in the car when I was recording, so he knew that it'd be on. <laughs> but I'm just sorting through the files, but, you know, you have, yeah, it's, uh, I'm oh. always cautious. Yeah, on, I on think a, that's quite yeah. a common thing. There was, um, I'm on the, um, uh, Facebook, a group called uh, Starlight Express, because I used to be front of house a long time ago in my early 20s as as an usher so I did it on and off from my 20s as well as traveling a lot and stuff um but um so you know every now and then someone will post a a a thing up on it and they posted an old article about how one of the the um the you know the actors had a mic on and went off stage obviously because it was you know he was off um, and the show was still going on, but he completely he went to the toilet and he completely forgot <laughs> he mic'd up. 
Uh, yeah. so, so the whole audience and everyone in the auditorium, the theatre, it was a full house. Could hear him peeing. <laughs> but it's um, wedding videos use these mics a lot now, and um, I, I know once a vicar went to the toilet uh, just before ceremony, and it actually went through to the speakers and in, in the church. But um, I, I know some horror stories of some videos. I have heard like like was, like maybe someone slagging off the the mother-in-law or something in the kitchen. A lot. I mean, I think one 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 I'm aware of. The, the groom and best man were talking why he was mic'd up before the service talking about how they'd slept with a stripper before the wedding <laughs> and it had gone through to the and it was recorded on the video obviously but and the guy didn't know what to do about it but yeah a few <laughs> where they're filming cutaways but they're mic'd up ready and hit yeah <laughs> conversations <laughs> carried through to his video they're, they're lethal devices sometimes yes. <laughs> 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 oh, well. But I bet secretly that's what every filmmaker kind of dreams about picking up, you know, just a bit of comedy, a comedy element. It, it makes the job more exciting sometimes. Yeah, I can imagine. Story, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's a good place to end it. Um, it's been lovely having you on, Jace. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been great. And, um, Feel free to come back anytime and um yeah, have a think about if you want to do like um a theme show, for instance, like I've done, you know, it can be absolutely anything film related, say any genre, any director. Do you know anything, as long as it's film related? Yeah. Okay? Um, there's a few on my show you can listen to. Um yeah, yeah so have a think. And if you want to come back, you're more than welcome to. It's been absolutely lovely talking to you. Yeah, no, definitely. I I'd be happy to. <laughs> All right, thank you. Cheers, thank you. Bye. Bye.